Welcome to Cretech Climate Cast, a podcast series devoted to educating, inspiring, and leading the built world to address the world's biggest crisis, climate change. I'm your host, Michael Beckerman, CEO of Cretech Climate, the leading voice for the real estate industry's commitment to climate tech. Join me each week for 20 minutes as we connect with the world's leading real estate and tech innovators from VCs, real estate companies, academic, and nonprofit sectors. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, it's Michael Beckerman. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Cretech Climate Cast, where I talk to leaders who are decarbonizing the built world, creating a safer, healthier planet and built environment for all of us. Today is a great treat for me. We've got Natalie Tier, Senior VP Innovation, Sustainability and Social Impact, Hudson Pacific Properties, one of the biggest REITs in the industry with about 20 million or so square feet of office and studio space, such tenants as Google, Netflix, Uber, Square, et cetera, et cetera. And just a little sort of uh, preamble before I get the heck out of the way and let Natalie just talk for the full podcast because she's that good. You know, one of the things that is true in real estate is that the industry typically follows the lead of the most innovative companies. And it's just the nature of the industry. It's always worked that way. And for me, when I started to follow Natalie and Hudson Pacific, I was so inspired by the work that they were doing, again, on the sustainability front, on the innovation front, on the social impact front. So we're in for a treat. And I I know that Natalie is going to inspire everybody that listens to this podcast as much as she does uh, for me. So Natalie, with that, welcome to the podcast. Good to see you and talk to you. You too, Michael. Thanks. So let's unpack uh, sort of in the beginning, just your your role and this, you could provide the audience with a sort of an overview of, uh, of Hudson Pacific. Sure. I feel so lucky. I get to do really fun work and I think about it in kind of two buckets. I lead our work around ESG, uh, environment, social governance issues, um, and I lead our work around innovation and technology in our buildings. And it's so fun to get to do those things at a company like Hudson Pacific, which, as you said, is a West Coast REIT. Um, we have all Class A commercial office and studio properties in some of the leading, more advanced cities on these issues from LA up through Silicon Valley in San Francisco to Seattle and Vancouver. And most of our tenants are the big media tech and entertainment companies who are also charting the way on these issues. So because of the nature of our business model, uh, we do find ourselves on the cutting edge a lot of the time. And it's really fun, to be honest. That's great. That's a, that's a great perspective, you, you know, and, and it's contagious because, it, you know, anybody who knows you knows you love your job. It's a tough job. It's a big job. I know. If you just love it, uh, I, I think that says a lot about you and the, and the company and the culture. And speaking of culture, so let's just assume that this podcast has an audience of one and it's me. Okay. Which means kind of climate for dummies because that is me. You know, what I'm fascinated by is how do you build a sustainability, socially responsible culture, right? It's a big company, got a lot of employees, got a lot of square feet. So everything from like the employee culture to the vendors, to the development, to the construction, how do you do that? So if anybody's listening, what kind of best practices could you share with this dummy here? So how how have you been able to do this? 
Well, we, we definitely have a head start because we're West Coast and all the other things I said about our business model. So we naturally have an employee base and a culture that prioritizes uh, sustainability and social impact and being part of our communities. Um, that's just always been in our DNA um, long before I arrived. But you can always build on that. And one thing that I try to do and, and we all try to do is take both a top-down and a bottom-up approach. And so kind of leadership really starts at the top. I'm really happy to work for a CEO and a whole leadership team for whom sustainability is really important to them personally. And they, they lead that way through their behaviors, but, but also um, in the business. And so when we want to do really bold things like go net zero carbon five years ahead of schedule, mm-hmm. um, we were, it was a, honestly, two minute conversation wow. myself and Victor, my CEO, and the board was fully supportive. And I've been fortunate that I've, I've always had total support from the top. Um, but it's also really important to have support, build a bottom up, more grassroots approach too. And so I spent a lot of time thinking through ways to do that. And, and we've tried to build different communities and groups that advance key issues. So we have a sustainability council that has representatives from every function and region. And similarly, we have a social impact council. We have employee resource groups to represent different uh, affinities and diverse perspectives within the company. We have a network of uh, zero waste champions who tend to be tenant coordinators in all of our properties across the field, and they huddle on that issue. We have a network of what we call heads and helps champions, which is essentially our volunteering program. And again, they tend to be uh, more junior staff from across the company, and, and we convene that group regularly. So we try to provide a forum that allows for people to connect at all levels of the company on the issues that they're passionate about. Yeah, that's that's so impressive and so important that I, I love how you talked about, you know, the bottom up, right? You've got it from the top, but it, it's got to be so inclusive that everybody shares those goals. That's really, really helpful and insightful. So could you talk about the, the corporate responsibility report? And again, like what I'm fascinated by that is like, how do you go about creating something like that? And then, and then also, how do you sort of guard against uh, not greenwashing, but like that, you know, how do you ensure that you, you hit those goals and you measure it? Like that, you and I have talked about that in the past. So talk to us about the report and then how you keep your own self honest that you're, you're hitting those goals. Yeah. Well, so the report you mentioned um, is our, our annual corporate responsibility report. And we, we call it our Better Blueprint report because Better Blueprint is the name we've given to our whole ESG program. Mm. And that was important to me because. ESG is an acronym that I know and other professionals in my line of work know, but nobody else knows what the heck that means. Uh, So I try not to use that acronym. And instead, you know, in our culture, we we don't say that. We just say better blueprints. And to us, anyone at Hudson knows what that means. It means our commitment to advancing three things, sustainability, health, and equity, and all of our sustainability and social impacts or ESG initiatives fall under one or more of those priorities. So every year we publish a better blueprint report that outlines what we've done that year in those three areas, what our goals are, and to your second part of your question, includes a lot of data to help ourselves be accountable. Like many other companies, it's typical to publish a report like that and include data. But I think it's important because that is how you hold yourself accountable. You figure out what your goals are and then how you're going to measure it. And you commit to reporting that those numbers every year publicly, regardless of whether the progress is positive or negative. And that happens to us sometimes that we don't see 
the numbers move in the direction we'd like to go and we still put it out there. And usually there's a reason why, and we believe that it's important to, to be transparent about that. And that's, that's the only way that you can, I think, really build, be accountable and avoid the greenwashing or impact washing claims. Great, 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 great. Because wh- one of the things is that I wanted to draw attention to the report is because those people that might be listening and they're looking at the built world and sort of responsibility, but it's opportunity and addressing climate change, et cetera. There's going to be a lot of greenwashing out there. And, and a lot of companies are going to try and capitalize on this sort of heightened sense of urgency and awareness on this critical issue. And what I would say to them is go look for a company's report. If you really want to keep companies honest, go look at their report. And especially companies like Hudson Pacific, who, like you said, will measure it and tell you where they might have fallen short uh, and be very transparent about that. So I, I think that's terrific. And are there things in the Better Blueprint that you're particularly proud of? Yeah, on the sustainability side, I alluded to this before, but I'm really proud of the work we've done around climate. Last year, we became net zero carbon in all of our operations. I think we were one of the first major... I'm clapping. I'm clapping. As I said, it's a lot easier for us to do it than most other real estate companies. But for for that reason, I felt like we had a moral responsibility to to help lead the way. But also, honestly, it was it was a strategy that really evolved in real time. We had this goal to get there, but it was over five years, and then COVID hit, and we realized how much extra energy we would probably need to be using in our buildings as we ran our HVAC systems longer and harder to keep them safe and we were never willing to compromise on safety and so we, we modeled forward we realized man there's a world where our energy use goes up and our if, if we don't decouple carbon from energy completely now then carbon's going to go up and you know we can't have that like absolutely no way so so we brought our net zero carbon forward or a net zero carbon strategy forward and i'm really proud of the work that the, the team did around that it was it wasn't easy and and i think it's been really impactful i'm also really proud on the social impact side Um, that was gonna be my next series of questions but yes please 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 you know i think to the real estate industry to its credit has done a lot of work around sustainability there's still much left to do but you know green buildings there's a very thriving community around green buildings and lead standards are widely accepted and I would say most companies have some, most real estate companies have some sort of sustainability program. I don't think it's quite as sophisticated necessarily on the social impact side of the house. And obviously that's a huge generalization. Plenty of companies are doing a lot for their communities, but I just think it's not, doesn't quite have the same visibility that the E has in ESG. The S can sometimes in this sector get a little bit more neglected, which is a shame because when you think about Real estate, you know, we're by the nature of our business, we're changing the physical fabric of community. Um, and for us in particular, because we're very laser focused on a handful of submarkets in the cities I mentioned, you know, we're not just building across LA, we're very focused on a handful of neighborhoods. And so when you think about the arts district downtown or Hollywood or Santa Monica, we are we're big players in those communities. And therefore I think we have a real responsibility to help address the challenges there. Our, our top priority, frankly, in this area is homelessness, because in those neighborhoods, and as well as the other neighborhoods and across our portfolio, homelessness is such a crisis issue. So I'm really proud of the work the company's done on, on that, and most recently culminating in a pledge to invest $20 million 
dollars in innovative solutions to homelessness to help use the expertise we have as developers, even though we don't develop housing, we understand how to develop cost effectively. And I think that's one area that's really needed for the homelessness crisis. So we're actively investing in that space and it's really exciting. Yeah, that's so important. And thank you for bringing it up. You know, on this podcast, and so much of what I'm focused on in Cretech Climate, it is about climate, right? It's, it is because it's facts now. Yeah. Uh, not that the facts should have ever been in dispute, but I think everybody, for the most part, is accepting that climate change is real and it's happening all around us at an extraordinary acceleration of destruction. So, but you're right, the social impact needs more attention. So what could somebody like me do? What could I do to help further some of those initiatives that you're doing to get the word out? Like what, what could companies be doing more to highlight and to focus on social impact? Well, you know, a challenge, it's hard. I mean, there's a reason why we're as an industry a little further behind in this area. And it's because social impact is a huge term that encompasses all sorts of different things. And we've made the decision that we'd, we'd rather try to have an impact, a meaningful impact in one area than scatter our efforts across many different issues and have no impact. And so that's why we've, we've doubled down on homelessness as our issue. But there are all sorts of different issues out there under the social umbrella, whether that's income inequality and workforce mm-hmm. development, education, you name it. And I think for every real estate company, there's a case to be made to focus on one issue or another. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit harder, whereas climate is critical ex- existential issue for all of us, especially in real estate. So I guess that's a long way of saying. No, it's, it's, it's great. <laughs> no, I, th- I think it's great. I mean, I think, I think the message is that we all just need to do more particularly as an industry, right? And the industry just needs, has, has such a, a, a sense of responsibility because you're right, we're in those, all those communities, wherever they are in the world, we're creating physical environments and that does have an impact on everybody. So I think social impact is something I need to do a better job on. So you give me a lot, a lot more work today. I got it. And I think we got to get the rest of the industry also to pay, paying more attention to that as well. One of the things that I also wanted to understand from you is when you look out at the next couple of years mm-hmm. and you think about, and I don't want to put you on the spot and, you know, so we're going to let you have to give us too much specificity, but like, what are you thinking about next that you want to focus on for the company? I'll just kind of narrow that question uh, and just specifically what we're thinking about for the next five years around our climate strategy. And for, for that, we're, we're very focused on, on a couple of things, because although we are net zero carbon, right now everywhere um which i'm really proud of that you know we we are relying on some financial instruments to do that things like carbon offsets and renewable energy credits which are important but in the long run we would like to reduce our reliance on those and we'd like to drive down absolute emissions and we've got a science-based target to help us stay accountable on, on that front um and so we're looking really hard at you know continued energy efficiency initiatives, although we've already captured most of the little hanging fruit in that area, we're looking much more at um, scaling our approach to on-site renewables. Mm. Um, We're looking at electrification and how do we move away from natural gas and the the cost curves on both of those issues. Both of those topics are changing dramatically, which is great. It means a lot of opportunity for us. And I expect we'll be able to do a lot more on both fronts in the next few years because there's no way we'll be able to um, reduce absolute emissions without it. So we're really focused in that area. And then that's all kind of our operational carbon footprint. The other area I'd say we're 
investing heavily in right now is our embodied carbon footprint, like mm-hmm. which for the climate wonks out there, you know, is our most material scope three category. Our scope one and two is everything operational. Scope three is basically everything else. For us, the most material scope three categories, the materials that we build with, because we do right. not only a lot of uh, construction projects and fit outs, but we do also ground up development mm-hmm. and major adaptive reuse development in there is a ton of mm-hmm. steel and concrete, which we all know are huge sources of global emissions. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're looking at how do we, for A, track those emissions and set project-specific targets to reduce them and use either lower carbon steel or lower carbon concrete, or even look at alternative materials like mass timber um, to help bring those numbers down. That's great. I should have had my hat on, which I wore this morning on my old man walk. My body, ask me about embodied carbon hat from Stacy Smedley. I should. Stacy, I, <laughs> I love that hat. <laughs> I wear it. I wear it. My wife wears it. We're walking around our little town, and we're hoping somebody's going to ask us about embodied carbon. I'll probably screw up the answer, but at least I, I wear the hat with pride. Okay, so so this is the question I, I am kind of hesitant to ask. But I have to ask it because you're such a happy person and you do love your job. But I also need to know what keeps you up at night, you know, mm-hmm. uh, on these topics. Like what, 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 do you, what are you really just like nervous about, worried about, concerned about as it relates to everything we've talked about in this podcast? What keeps you up at night? A lot of what my job consists of. I mean, we've talked a lot about, I mentioned a better blueprint sustainability, health and equity. We've talked a lot about sustainability. We've talked a lot about the equity side, which presses a lot of our work around homelessness. Health, obviously, has actually been probably the area that I've personally spent the most right. time on, staying awake at night on, in the last 15 months, as have yeah. many, and we're not out of the woods yet. And so we're, we're, we've, I'm really so proud of the work our whole team has done to keep our buildings safe, and we're, we're leading the way. And on that issue, we've got MERV 13 filters, we're higher everywhere. We've got, uh, we were one of the first companies to be, to get the well viral response certification over our whole approach i I feel confident that our buildings are really honestly very very safe but the line is always moving we're never done and and what used to be considered best practice a few months ago is is changing and right now we're thinking about as we were talking about before this podcast um all the vaccine mandates that are that are coming out and what our approach to that's going to be and and these things are just changing in real time so it's it's tricky yeah yeah, I think we're all we're all feeling that we're going to be here for a while, and this is probably the the new abnormal. But thankfully, companies like like yours are showing the way to bring people back in healthy, safe, with confidence. So finally, Natalie, I'll end on a, a hopefully a positive note. Given all that you know, given all that you're doing, uh, and all you're uh, hoping to do in the future, are you, are you hopeful that as an industry we can build some kind of collective action that addresses these critical issues that we've talked about as relates to climate oh, oh boy oh gosh i thought you were gonna end with me on positive and i got a big sigh i know well i don't know i mean the ipcc report just came out a few days ago and man it is bleak and so it's hard hard to be hopeful right now yeah. you know although i will say one thing that does make me hopeful is i, I do see more and more real estate companies moving on this but Actually, what makes me really hopeful right now is the, the investing world and yeah. the uh, climate tech. And we're invested in, and we have many mutual friends in the climate tech space, I know. And, and we've got a, a ever-growing kind of portfolio of investments. We're either making either tech we're deploying in our portfolio or companies yeah. we're investing directly in um, startups that are advancing 
really cutting edge tech solutions. And, and I, I see so much capital flowing into that space and so many cool companies scaling that, that that does make me feel, that does make me feel hopeful. Okay. Well, that's good. And then my dogs are barking. So they're echoing what you said. They're, they're in agreement. Those were, those were uh, barking agreement uh, uh, sounds. So Natalie, thank you so much for spending some time with me today in our audience. Uh, Natalie Tier, Senior VP, Innovation, Sustainability, Social Impact, Hudson Pacific Properties. You inspire me, my friend, and I know that you inspire our entire industry. So keep doing what you're doing and uh, keep leading the way. Thanks, Michael. Always a pleasure. If you want to hear more about top industry trends, please hit subscribe and join us on this journey to reimagine real estate. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. To stay up to date on leading climate tech trends and topics, join the Cretech Climate Community by clicking the link in our bio. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you join us next week.